book and then try to give you the thought that the Lord uh, has placed on our heart tonight. All right. Genesis chapter number four. I'm going to take my reading and start in verse number one, read down to verse number seven, then we'll pray. If you will stand with us for the reading and reverence of the word of God tonight. <clears throat> All right. Chapter number four of the book of Genesis. The Bible said, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain uh, brought uh, of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel. And to his offering, but unto Cain, and to his offering, he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance failed. Now, pause with me for just a moment. Let me call your attention to something before I allow it to slip my uh, mind. Uh, if you look in verse number four, it says that Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. You're going to find in the book of Leviticus that not only... Uh, was a sacrifice made, but the burning of fat was savorous to the nostrils of God, all right? And so we're finding here in verse number four a picture not only of an offering, Brother Marvin, but that of a sacrifice, all right? So verse number five says, But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou dost well, shalt Thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin life at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. We do pray. Take the sinner near his tail. Save when we do ask God. Draw the sinner to repentance. Ask your Lord that you would do a work like we cannot do it of ourselves, and as the moving of the Holy Ghost of God. Pray that you touch us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I want to look at John 6 for just a moment, and I know we're kind of hovering on some verses of Scripture. We've been dealing with the last several uh, messages, but uh, just some things I would like to bring out before we move forward uh, into this particular message here. Uh, I've been slow getting here. I've been wanting to deal with the blood for some time, and I just not have had liberty to do so. We've hit on it, around it, and above it, and below it, but we've never really uh, just centered down on it. And I'm going to try to center down on it again tonight if the Lord would help us. But I was thinking what uh, the Bible said in John chapter number six. And when you read uh, John six and verse number uh, 53, the Bible said, then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. So when we are talking about dwelling in him and him in us, 
he is talking about eating the flesh and drinking the blood. There's a reason why that is. He uh, gave his flesh, but he died having shed his blood. And so it's his flesh and his blood that saves our flesh and our because of, saves us because of our flesh and because of our blood. Excuse me. Our flesh and blood is not saved. Our soul uh, is saved, but not our flesh and not our blood. But it was our flesh and our blood that was corrupt in the eyes of God. All right. Now, but here's here's what I want to show you. If you back up to John chapter six, this same chapter and look in verse number 47, the Bible says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Then he says this, I am that bread of life. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but uh, when we consider the, the, the bread and the blood that we find in Luke chapter 22 that we was preaching about at the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, uh, you understand that the, the flesh is also likened to that of the, of the bread. He's the bread that cometh down from heaven, the bread of life. He says in one chapter here in chapter number six that he is the bread of life, but the bread of life is the flesh and the blood. All right, he said, he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I am him. So I began to think about Cain and I began to think about Abel. And the Lord uh, showed me something I don't think I had ever paid any attention to uh, before. Abel uh, brought that of uh, the firstlings of his of his lambs, right, of his of his uh, stock there. And uh, he offered not only the firstlings of his flock, but of the fat thereof. And so we see uh, that a sacrifice was having to be made. And uh, he chose the firstlings uh, of his flock and he brought them forth. But as we stated this morning, what he brought to God was nothing more than the lamb. It was all about the lamb. There wasn't nothing that he done, nothing that he produced, nothing that he caused these lambs to be what they were. They, they eat because God allowed them to. They reproduced because God allowed them to. And they grew up into what God had given them for nourishment to grow. Everything that Abel gave God was already God's. And it happened because God allowed it to happen. So it was all about the lamb. You understand that? But Cain, Cain, we understand by the sweat of his face, he worked the ground and he produced something that he tried to offer to God. Now I thought about this bread. We find in John 6 that he's the bread. He's the, he's the flesh. He's the, the blood that we partake of or partook of rather. And so when Cain uh, come to, to God, you know, bread is simply, uh, it is simply wheat, brother Gene, that has been, uh, through a, through a process and through that of fire, you have bread. And uh, it's a it's a it's a process. We understand that there has to be something that's done to the wheat, but essentially, without wheat, you have no bread. And so I began to think about this. It's 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 everything that Cain done uh, was was pointing to what he done with his hands and with his sweat. And uh, we're not saved by sweat of man. We're saved by the blood of the Lamb. And uh, all the sweat that man can give, and all the sweat that man has to produce. Never done me any good or you any good. And what it produces is just temporary to sustain life on this side of eternity. 
So let me say this, just for, bear with me in my folly tonight, but just hypothetically, let's say that Cain, uh, he had a wheat field. And he went out and he took the first of his wheat field and he produced some bread and he took it to God. Let me say this, all Cain done would have been offer God some bread. But there would have been no lamb. But you need to understand something. When Abel took the lamb and presented it to God, he not only brought the lamb, but he brought the bread. You understand that, that we find that the lamb is the bread of life. There's a picture and type right here in, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter number four. And so let me say this. You can bring the lamb. You can make it all about the lamb. You can make it all about the Lord Jesus Christ that was slain. And I want you to understand something. That sacrifice gives me eternal life. But the Lord Jesus Christ that I serve today also helps and provides for me on this side of eternity. All Cain had, all Cain could show was what he produced for himself. And it, it didn't do any good. So you can take the bread to the, uh, you can take the bread to God and there'll be no lamb. But you can take the lamb, friend, and you can, take, you can bring the bread with you when you come. I appreciate that. There's a very a t- good type and picture uh, of that in Genesis 4. We see it in John chapter uh, number 6. But I, I'm interested in this uh, in this matter of the flesh and this matter of the blood. And uh, because I feel that people do not put enough emphasis uh, on the blood, I think they're missing a very fundamental, important doctrinal truth. Now, some people will put uh, an emphasis on the, the blood, but they do not put the emphasis on it being God's blood. They put the emphasis on the blood as, as uh, yes, the blood was needed and the blood was important, but it was just man's blood. But that's not true either. Because my flesh and my blood is corrupt. And without the, the, the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ having God's blood, it was God's blood that was shed. Now, let me, let me back that up for just a moment. Let me, let me read to you something here. Considering his blood tonight, I want us to understand that it's sanctified blood. It's holy blood. It's, it's his blood. And we know that because we've read Acts 20. And 28, where it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So it's God's blood. It's Christ Jesus. It's God in the flesh. It's the Son of God. But it was God's blood pumping through his veins. All right? And uh, I want to say this. When when Jesus Christ was slain, and uh, he was Killed on the cross at Calvary, Brother Gene, his blood left his body. They, they ripped his wounds open. Psalms 22 shows us that his bones stared upon him. So that means that the flesh that covered his bones had to have been tore from his skeletal system to the point that his bones could be seen with a human eye. Now you know and I know that if you rip my flesh from my bones, I'm going to bleed. And if you were to shoot me tonight, you may not hit a vital organ, but if I don't stop the bleeding, Brother Shane, I'm going to die. And so we understand here that all of Jesus' blood had been shed. We understand without the shedding of blood, there's no remission, right? So it's sanctified blood. It's God's blood. It's His blood. His blood was shed. But I want to say this. Jesus, we understand, rose again, right? 
Now, how is that possible? All of his blood was gone. The book of Leviticus, as we're going to find here in a few minutes, says the life of the flesh is in the blood. You can take a rubber band tonight, and don't nobody do this, especially my kids. Don't you take a rubber band, put it around your finger, wrap that thing, wrap that thing, wrap that thing, wrap the thing real tight, and walk off, and in a few minutes your finger will start turning blue. And if you don't take that rubber band off your finger, from where that rubber band's at out to the end, it'll be gone before long because it'll rot. Why? Because there's no blood in it to keep it alive. So Jesus died having shed his blood. So how did he live again if all of his blood had left his body? Because it was God's blood. And God did not die. And God was in heaven. And the blood that was given to Jesus Christ, friend, uh, is still here today. And I want you to understand something. That blood, it was by God's power. Jesus being the Son of God lifted himself up. He raised himself up. He didn't have his life taken. He gave his life freely. It was sanctified blood, holy blood. It was God's blood. So first we see that there's sanctified blood. And that's important because if it had been any other blood, it wouldn't have done the job. And uh, so we find here that it was not only sanctified blood, but it was shed blood. We find in the book of Hebrews, without, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So it would have done us no good to have uh, the blood of God in the veins of Christ if Christ hadn't been willing to allow them to separate his flesh from his bones. And so then it became shed blood. So it was sanctified blood. It, it was uh, shed blood. And I'm thankful for this, Brother Gene. It is saving blood. Now, Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. So we understand that there's sanctified blood, there's shed blood, there's saving blood. Then if you will, quickly, turn with me to 1 Peter uh, chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter Number one. First Peter chapter number one, verse number one says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and uh, Bithynia, uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit under obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. He's talking to the born again believer, but he's emphasizing the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. And so we see God the Father, we see the Holy Spirit, but we see the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we find that, that uh, Jesus had sanctified blood, uh, sacred blood, if you will, shed blood, saving blood, but it was sprinkled blood. And uh, so we find here that these are saved because there had been personal application of the blood of Christ. And we find in 1 Peter 1 and 18, it's as far as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but what? with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. All right. And so we understand here that it is, uh, he says, for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. And 
He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Reckon why he is saying this about eating the blood uh, and uh, or drinking the blood and eating the flesh. Let me turn to John 6 and read to you verse number 63. Now he says here in verse 55 and 56, for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. But he says in verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh. Now, what is he talking about? Why has he gone from the physical body to that of the spiritual? Because the Bible said in verse 60, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? So in other words, what he had said, starting in verse 47, down to verse number 49, had had some kind of a detrimental effect on the way that uh, the disciples that were following him at that time were seeing things. It, it was bothering them. He, he asked them, what are you, what are you murmuring uh, about here? And so he says here, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. So he's making a physical uh, application to a spiritual need. And Christ does this all the time. You find it all through the Bible. How he takes something physical and makes a spiritual application with it. And he does it to put it into to context to the, our mind and how we uh, think and, and figure things out. He gives us a physical example to a spiritual truth. And so you and I know, I, I never took Christ's flesh and eat it, Brother Gene, physically. I never took his blood and drank it physically. And But when we when we partake of the Lord's Supper and and we take that that uh, that little piece of, of cracker, that bread, and that 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 juice, and we eat it and we drink it, we're signifying something, just like we did when we got baptized after we got saved. You know, there's two ordinances in the Word of God that we observe: that is baptism and the Lord's Supper. And neither one of them is something that's done anything for me physically. It's an outward showing of something that the Lord. Uh, said to us that makes a spiritual application. And people get people get caught up in this. I will say this. My flesh is truly corrupt. And my blood is truly corrupt. And Jesus Christ did put on flesh, literally. And he did literally have the blood of God in his veins. And he did shed it. But this picture that we see right here, he's making a spiritual Application, and he says, This is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, let me let me explain to you something here. The, the thing about this that was causing the Jews to have such a uh, murmuring, uh, complaining attitude about what was just said is they listen to what Christ has said to them and they take it as something very audacious. They think that what he's saying, it takes some serious audacity. Why is that? Because he claims to be the Son of God, the Messiah, God in the flesh, right? 
and uh, he's he's always been pointing uh, through throughout his ministry towards his deity about who he was. But something we find in Genesis nine uh, will help us understand why the Jew uh, hit a stumbling block right here and tripped up over what it is that the Lord Jesus Christ has said to them. In Genesis 9 and 4, the Bible says, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. So it was not only not customary, it was a, it was a, a, a law that man wasn't to take blood and, and ingest it. And so, and I thought about this because you, you even look at meat today. You go to the, to the, to any restaurant that serves a steak and they'll have something in their menu that talks about the dangers of eating undercooked meat. And, uh, you know, there's a warning on it and it, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's, there's something that they're trying to prevent from happening to you. They don't want to be liable if you get sick eating something that's a little raw. Okay. And so, and I don't know about you, but some people eat their steaks so raw. You could slap a bandaid on it and get up and go back to grazing. And uh, so, I mean, they, they, anyway, that can make you sick. Can blood, the blood, the, the undercooked meat can cause you to be sick. And when we look at uh, the book of Exodus, as we preached about the Passover the other night, that lamb had to be cooked, Brother Gene. And uh, that blood, now that blood was applied to the door, but they did not ingest that blood. That sacrifice was made, but that blood of that lamb did not go into the body of the one that had killed the lamb or the family that the lamb had been killed for. And to cook it and roast it with fire, fire is a picture in the Bible of judgment. So we see the provision of the lamb. We see the blood having been applied, but we, we, we see the judgment as well. And so I want to say this. I'm glad that the blood was given before the judgment came. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Aren't you glad the blood of Jesus Christ was shed before judgment come? He gave of his blood before he took of the complete judgment of God uh, for our life. All right. And so I want to say there's sanctified blood. There's shed blood. There's saving blood. There is sprinkled blood. We find first Peter chapter number one and verse number two. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, and obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. We know that it's the blood of the Lamb. So let me say this. It's not only sanctified blood. It's not only shed blood. It's not only saving blood. It's not only sprinkling of the blood. It's the scrubbing of the blood. So what do you mean? How's that? The sanitization of the blood. How so? First John 1 John 1.7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. So not only is it sanctified blood, is it shed blood, saving blood, sprinkled blood, uh, it, it is blood that cleanses. But I like this. First Peter chapter number 1, we see in verse number 18, For so much as you know that ye, that's me and you, ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. There's that word corruptible. And I say his blood wasn't corruptible. People want to talk like the blood of man isn't corrupt. Oh, yes, it is. He said, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by distance from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ 
as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So his blood, his body, it was perfect. It was perfect. And then we find here that in John 6 that there's a offering to share his blood. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Not only was it sanctified blood, not only was it shed, not only is it saving blood, not only does it have the ability to save, but we find that he was willing to share his blood. Thanks be unto God. Said, whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. I will raise him up at the last day for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Now here's the thing. We understand that literally you're not drinking the blood and eating the flesh. But why is it that he uses this in a, uh, a physical sense to make a spiritual application? Because when you put food on the inside of your body, it nourishes you. I stand today and I have strength on my two feet today because I eat. And if I did not eat, then I would die. I have to have the strength. And so what I ingest on the inside causes me to be the way that I am on the outside. And so I want to say this, the, the flesh and the blood being on the inside created the outward change. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. What it says right here, that he that is my flesh and drinking my blood, whether me and I in him. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. There's a change that's been made because of something that's been on the inside. What's on the inside? When I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit moved on the inside. So not only am I saved in him, but he is in me. How is it that you can be in something that is in you? That's a picture of something being woven together. And when I got saved by the grace of God, by the gene, I become woven into the family of God. And no one can pull me out of that family. I'm saved and sealed into the day of redemption because of the precious blood of Christ. And I thank God for that. So let me say this to you, and then I'll, I'll wind this down tonight. It's not only sanctified blood, shed blood, saving blood. I thank God that it's been sprinkled, uh, it's sanitized, it's been shared, it was offered to me. I accepted it. I appreciate that. But then I got to thinking about this matter of, of the cup and the bread and, and, and the blood and, and all these things. And it began to work in my mind. And so let me, let me say this. We understand that he died and shed his blood at Calvary. And we know that he had to go up Calvary carrying his cross and he laid his life down freely. He gave his hands and his feet for them to nail him to the cross of Calvary. And as we stated about the Last Supper, we know that when he gave the bread and he passed the cup, that he knew it was his body that was going to be broken, that was offered for the disciples that he was standing there uh, passing this meal to. But he, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 21, verses number 22, and if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and they'll hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree. Thou shalt in any wise bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God. Now you need to think about that. People will try to argue with you, Brother Gene, that God didn't turn his back on Christ. But God turned his back on Christ because Christ was accursed hanging on a tree. He died the way he died for a specific reason. 
And there's a reason why he didn't die before they got him to the cross of Calvary. There's a reason why he didn't give up the ghost until he hung on that tree. Because he died accursed. Now you understand my flesh and your flesh and the, the sin of Adam that a curse had passed on this world, right? And we live in Adamic flesh and he had to be accursed. He who knew no sin took the sin of the world. And so he, he has had the sin placed on him. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. All right, and so we see in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, the Bible said, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So he died on a tree and that was the way he died for a specific reason. All right, now 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 24 said, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. So the cross is called the tree. And he, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. He who knew no sin became sin. He was cursed because of us. He took the curse, the sin curse, and he bore it in his body. And he died a specific way. And he died on the tree. What's that got to do with the bread and the, and the, the lamb and the blood? Well, what was the what was the blood? Well, let's go back and look for just a minute as we as we try to wind down here for just a little bit. It said verse number fifty three of John six said, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you have no life in you. We see that when when uh, we get to verse number fifty four Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. But when you drop down here to verse number 58, so this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna. And our dead, he that eateth this bread shall live forever. Let's go to Luke chapter number 22 for just a minute. Let me show you how this is worded before I make my last point here tonight. Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number 22. And uh, let's look at verse number 15. Luke chapter number 22, verse number 15. All right, and he said unto them with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I send you, I will not any eat any more, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, This is take this and divide it among yourselves, for I send you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine till the kingdom of God shall cut. Now what is he what is he offered to the disciples? He's broke the bread, which is his body. And it's an example of the, the broken body of Christ. But then he gives the fruit of the vine. 
What is the fruit of the vine representing here? He said, another kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. So the, the bread is the body, but the blood, the, the, the fruit of the vine is a representation of the, 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 the blood. The fruit of the vine is a representation of the blood that was shed at Calvary. But he had to hang on a tree. And he had to bleed on the tree. There had to be not only a shedding of blood for remission of sin, but he had to do it while he hung on a tree. What was it that caused mankind to be accursed and to live in a world of sin? Because man went to a tree and took the fruit of the tree. And what we see here is him taking the blood and he's likening it to uh, the fruit. And what he done, Brother Shane, essentially this with his blood. He took what man done and reversed it and took the fruit and put it back on the tree for him. And this time he says, take of me. That's why the Bible says that he is the second Adam. The first Adam took of the tree and all of mankind was sin cursed. But the second Adam come and he put the fruit back on the tree and allowed us to partake of it free. And I thank God for that. So it's sanctified blood. It's shed blood. It's saving blood. It's been sprinkled on me. So it's sprinkled blood. It's sanitizing blood. It cleansed us from all of our sin and because it was shared blood. I'm thankful for what he done. He offered it, but the ticket was I had to partake of it. Just as mankind had to take of the tree in the middle of the garden, that tree of knowledge of good and evil. When I took of the tree, Brother Shane, at Calvary, the fruit, see, it's not just Calvary. We always talk about Calvary. And we always talk about the tree, but it's what happened on the tree. It's who died on the tree. It's the fruit that was on the tree that I took of. And when you ingest for that sin, there's something on the inside that makes a change in you because of the nourishment that God gave us. And I thank God for that. So I want to say this. It's most definitely uh, His blood, sanctified blood, shed blood, saving blood. And He shared His blood. And because of that, let me run back over here to 1 Peter chapter number 1 and read you the rest of that. Uh, these, these few verses here will close, all right? The Bible said, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who by him listen now who by him to believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God can I remind you of what he says in the gospel of John when he's talking about the bread of life and the flesh and the blood he simply says this in John 6 and 47, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting 
life. All of this that you see as a, as a physical, in a physical sense to make a spiritual application is this. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that name which is above every name, and you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, he will save you. He did not go through this death this way to keep us from that of salvation. He did not do that. He said, who by him to believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently being born again. He told Nicodemus, he said, don't get all tangled up about this statement about being born again. See, because here again, it's another example. It's another worldly picture of something that we make. A, he makes a spiritual application out of. When you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood's been applied, you've took the flesh, you've took uh, the, the, the blood, you've took the bread of life. Friend, you've been born again. Something different about you. You're not the same individual. He said being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. There's that corruption versus incorruption statement again. I'm telling you, friend, we were born into a world full of sin and we were corrupt by nature all the way to the blood that flows within our bodies. And we weren't to take of any, any other blood of any animal. You know why? Because the blood of another animal wasn't going to fix my problem. I needed the blood of the lamb, not a lamb, but the lamb. Said being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. So when I was born the first time, Brother Shane, I was born of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. When I read that verse of scripture, I thought about Cain and Abel. You realize that what Cain done come from the ground. But what Abel brought forth had been eaten what come from the ground. The flower fadeth. The grass, the, the flower withereth, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth away. This life is but a vapor. And if we put our hope and our faith and our stock in what we do and what we can produce and the sweat of our face, we'll be hell-bound sinners for the rest of our life till we die and then we'll find ourselves in the pits of hell. But when we put our hope and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the lamb, not the bread, not the fruit of the, the field, but the, the, when we put our hope and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we'll have the bread, we'll have the flesh, we'll have the blood, we'll have everything necessary to sustain life hereafter. And I thank God for that. Said uh, the grass with and the flower thereof fall away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Friend, we got to preach the blood. We got people trying to take the blood out of preaching today. And it's the blood. Yes, it's Calvary. Yes, it's the tree. Yes, it's Jesus. But it's also the blood of God. And I thank the Lord that he not only sent his son, but his son was willing to shed his precious blood. If I can get the pianist to come, Saul stand to our feet. I'll let her play a, a, just a little quick verse of invitation. We'll pray, okay? If you need to do business with God, this altar is open tonight. 
I thank the Lord tonight for his precious blood. It was precious, sanctified, precious blood. I thank God for that. You need to come. You come tonight, okay? Romans 10 and 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Mark chapter 8, verse number 36 says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm thankful for the blood. The blood was shed for you. The blood was shed for all of mankind. Have you partaken of the blood? Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We understand, Lord, we are a small crowd tonight. Many people sick, many people out. We're certain this is what you had on our heart tonight. And I pray and trust you, Lord, that you know what we needed. And I pray and trust you, Lord, that you'll take the word of God and you'll send it out. Lord, into the highways, into the byways. Lord, folk will listen to this message uh, on the radio waves, Lord, on the internet. Lord, I pray that you'd prick hearts. I pray that you deal with hearts. Lord, I pray that people would see and understand the significance of the corruption of mankind and the incorruptible blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that that blood was shed for us at Calvary and made possible that you were willing not only to shed that sanctified blood, but you were willing to share it. I thank you for that. It do no good for us for it to have been sanctified, for it to have been shed if it hadn't been shed. I thank you, Lord, for offering it to me. I thank you for making the way for me to receive it. We know that to many who received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Thank you, Lord, for putting it within my power to be a child of God. I thank you for that. We love you tonight. We bless your holy name. Take your word now and do with it as you please. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right, I appreciate your good attention tonight.